0: Bye. Welcome to the January 2nd, 2015 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host Dominic Dizuti. Thank you for joining us and Happy New Year! Tonight we continue our long tradition of looking ahead to 2015 and what we think will be the big issues we'll be talking about. Let's begin. Let's uh, begin by offering the one word or phrase that you think will best describe 2015. Patty Calhoun, our head soothsayer.
1: What's your word? And always wrong. So <laughs> I'm, I know I'm going to doom the state by saying this, but I think upbeat. I think things are looking up right now in Colorado. Nice.
0: After the election we had last year, it would be nice for a little upbeat. I like that. David Cole from the Impulse Institute and DU Law School, what do you
2: think? Unconstrained in that we have a president who doesn't seem to have a strong sense of desire to follow the Constitution or even the laws he himself signs that bear his own name. And our foreign adversaries have realized that at present, they face a paper tiger, and if they want to advance themselves, now is the time they're going to do it.
0: Penn Tate, Attorney greenberg Traurig, also a longtime state lawmaker, what's your word or phrase for 2015?
3: Complex. Because of the results of the election, on both the national and local level, I think we're going to have a complex time working through some complex issues and getting some political um, alignment put together.
0: Alicia Caldwell from the editorial page of the Denver Post, uh, wrap it up for us. I'm
4: going to look through the Colorado lens here and just say weed because <laughs> it, just, it seems to dominate every news cycle in one way or another. It's getting more sophisticated, more money, the issues uh, morph ever so slightly. But it does seem to really um, drive uh, politics and policy in Colorado.
0: The city of Denver will hold its civic elections this spring with Mayor Michael Hancock running for a second term. Many current city council members are term limited, so several new faces will be running. Among the top issues in all the races will be the expected reforms of the Denver Sheriff's Department. Patty, the the city elections have been quiet so far, but they're bound to heat up, especially with this whole thing with the Denver Sheriff's Department, which can't be solved with one election, but it's going to be uh, certainly front and center. Um, What do you think we're going to see from Denver's big election?
1: Well, I think we're going to finally see discussion on some big issues that we really need to be talking about. The jail, of course, and the sheriff's department is huge. Now we have been talking about that, but we are going to see more discussion of the stock show plan, for example, which is a huge, huge project. Somebody will have to take leadership someone 's going to have to come up with a finance thing a position on it it 's going to be a major if it happens it's going to be a major project that will define denver for a decade and denver's finances so you know that whether or not it's in your district anyone who's running for city council is going to have to have a position on it hancock is going to have to step forward and say here's why we want it and here's how we're going to pay for it um, and so that issue is coming up. The I-70 issue, which keeps burbling up and is somewhat related to the stock show. I mean, obviously it would change what happens with the stock show if I-70 ditches out of that part of town. We're going ha- to have to talk about that. We're going to be talking about the police when we're talking about the sheriff's department, too. So there are many hot topics. And although at the moment it doesn't look like many people, serious candidates, are stepping forward to talk to Michael Hancock, I hope some do. So we have discussion. We need to hear what his plans are. And we need to see what he's going to do ongoing in the city. I've heard lots of complaints about people who are building and trying to get projects through, who've had a lot of small businesses, too, not big ones, that are having trouble getting their permitting, events that have come up that are a big problem um, in the city. I know Hancock has started a new events office. Let's see how all that's going to work. But we need him to talk about what he sees for the city, too.
0: Uh, David, one of the only other names that had as, almost as much uh, uh, ink written about them in 2014, besides Mayor Hancock, was Auditor Dennis Gallagher. Uh, he is not running for re-election. He'll be uh, out. We'll have a new auditor next year. Uh, that, among other positions, um, what do you think the ramifications might be over there?
2: Well, he's been a great and very strong auditor and and exposed a lot of uh, shenanigans, uh, because he's he's Irish, of course, so he can spot (laughs) shenanigans a mile away. Uh, I I hope that his successor is equally good. He ran for mayor once, and I'd I'd certainly love to see him uh, elected. What I want to know in the next election is is Michael Hancock got elected in part. He was running against Chris Romer, who had a very long record as a leader on educational reform. Michael Hancock... You know, new education is popular. So you hear so much about he goes on this long commute every day to take his kids to school. You know, so that's how he cares about education. Well, is he still doing that or not? <laughs> that helped him win the first time. I want to know if he's still driving his kids to school. But I also, people worry, or people think, that because there's no big contender right now against the mayor, that he will cruise easily. And history suggests that may not be the case. John Hickenlooper was a pretty obscure guy uh, at this stage before the election that he won. And Wellington Webb, uh, who had some rough patches in his first term as mayor, uh, nearly got knocked off by a little-known city councilwoman, Mary DeGroote, who who actually, I think, beat him in the first round and took him into a runoff, which he came back and won. But that shows that Who we're thinking of in January isn't necessarily who's going to be uh, winning the elections in in May.
0: Uh, Penn, Mayor Hancock has, uh, I'd say it's probably fair to say he's uh, received mixed reviews. He hasn't failed miserably on a lot of issues, but he hasn't excelled and, frankly, taken on some pretty tough things. The airtropolis idea has run into different problems, but it's also a pretty big thing to take on as a project for your administration. Do you think this re election bid is going to be a time for him to refocus and maybe change some of that or to double down on what he 's already talked about for the last four years
3: I, I think it 's going to be a combination of both. I think this is going to be an interesting municipal election cycle for a couple of reasons. You've got a number of city council people who are term limited so they're going to be gone, so there are pockets of the city where they're going to be open and contested seats. But the other dynamic that I think will be in play is, you know, Michael, Mayor Hancock is the first city council person to be elevated from city council to the mayor's office so you can see the dynamic developing on city council now. There are a number of current city council people who have their eyes on the mayor's seat. And so part of what will happen in this election cycle is those candidates, as they run for reelection, will begin to position themselves on particular issues. What will be fascinating to see is how outspoken and how aggressive some of them are in staking out their turf and their territory on a host of issues and I think Patty hit on all the key issues that we're going to be looking at that will surface or need to surface during this election cycle. Uh, The other thing that I think will be interesting is when it's all said and done I think turnout was not particularly high in November it's going to be interesting to see who's paying attention for the municipal elections, because I think a number of the comments here are correct. It almost seems like, as a community, we're sleepwalking into these municipal elections. Very little is written about it. There's very little chatter out in the community. Even among the political groupies and junkies out there, not a lot of people are talking about some of these city council races. We've already had one race where somebody announced started collecting money and then dropped out. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting time to see how these races develop and what issues percolate to the top.
0: Alicia, the municipal elections in Denver are slated to be non-partisan, So They don't come out as Democrat Republican, and frankly, because Denver is really Democratic, it would be foolish to go there. But there's still a lot of politics in Denver, and there's still a lot of really big political issues at play, and it's been pretty quiet so far. Do you see, uh, in these next couple of months heading up to the municipal elections, um, some folks taking some pretty strong stands to break out of the crowd?
4: Well, I think one of the reasons it has been so quiet is because the balance of power is not... There's no threat that it's going to change. I mean, things will... Regardless, frankly, of of who's elected, with some exceptions... I mean, I'm sure you could think of a couple old Schmidt, No. um, (laughs) People that you could put on the council that might change change how things work. But by and large, I don't think the balance of power and I don't think the ideology of the council is at issue. Um, One of the things that um, I think... Should be of a matter of discussion that that isn't is all of these taxes that are sort of um, lingering out on the fringes. Um, at some, Denver voters are very generous. At some point, though, I think they might start saying no if they're asked too many times to ante up for too many different projects. Now, by my count, there's the stock show which we've talked about. That's potentially a lodging tax. The Performing Arts Center, which you know is is formulating its its plans and priorities, which may or you know may also result in a tax. The Denver Scholarship Foundation tax um, that's out there, that they're talking about adding a sales tax to the ballot. And affordable housing. So that would be, you know, that's four probably in the next couple of years. Uh, some somebody has to start setting some priorities here um, just so Denver voters you know, know what's coming at them. Um, The other thing I think that we're not talking about that is sort of natural but it's going to come home to roost in 20 years is what I'm seeing as, you know, I I perceive as the overdevelopment of Denver. There's a lot of thought that if we increase density in the city that, you know, I think there's a hope that we'll become some European type of city like Copenhagen or something. But I think it's more, the threat is more that it's going to become Southern California or Atlanta, where there's, you know, complete gridlock. And I would like to see more attention paid to that particular issue, but I don't have high hopes that it actually will be a discussion.
0: Should be fun to watch. The 2015 state legislative session will see the Republican Party in the Senate majority for the first time in over 10 years. The State House stays Democratic by three votes, with Representative Dickie lee Hollinghorst taking over as Speaker. Uh, David, it's hard to predict exactly what the legislature is going to tackle, but with a split house—Republican uh, Senate, Democratic House—Governor Hickley back for a second term. What do you see as the main issues?
2: Well, I, I think the we're going to see the moderates in their respective majority parties having the balance of power. So, for example, you've, you've got the state Senate is, is uh, the president is, is Bill Cadman, who is a. Certainly a conservative, for sure, but not a guy who's going to try to push the edge of things and who's going to, of course, respect the, the some of the very hardcore conservatives in his caucus, but also be inclusive uh, for the more moderate ones. And so, for example, Senator Ellen Roberts, the Republican uh, from the Four Corners area, who is a uh, certainly a moderate. Uh, you know, she can. She may be able to decide a lot of things on her own. And likewise, there, there's some uh, Sherry John, uh, the moderate Democrat, uh, is in the Senate. are going to have a lot of influence. I think, to a lesser degree, the sort of dwindling minority of moderate Democrats in the state house it, uh, will also have some influence, especially the the rural ones. Uh, I think one of the problem things that went wrong in that that horrible 2013 session was a lot of the, the rural Dems really got arm twisted and coerced uh, to go along with the most extreme agenda of the Denver-Boulder axis. So we will see if the new leaders, uh, Speaker Hollinghorst from Boulder and Majority Leader Duran from Denver, uh, have a little more tolerance about not always uh, pushing their uh, out-of-the-Metro area members uh, into ideological alignment.
0: Pan as a former state lawmaker. Uh, speak to what usually happens when you have a split majority. I mean, it, it seems that you would have when we see split majorities in Congress, it's, it's, things have come to a screeching halt. But in Colorado, there's th- people seem to play along a little bit better. Are we going to see a productive session or gridlock?
3: I, I think we'll see a productive session. I, you know, a, a, as I've said before, really in the state legislature, almost all of the legislation is bipartisan. You have about ten or fifteen partisan deals that get a lot of the public's attention the media's attention and that's where people you know start duking it out really really seriously and so you'll see some of that but what what i think will happen is with split control is a lot of legislation that gets introduced. If you're in the House and you're a Democrat, you're gonna find a Republican sponsor in the Senate. Um, if you're a Republican sponsor in the House, you're gonna find a Democratic sponsor. So I think there's gonna be much more legislation introduced that begins on a bipartisan basis. But there are some key issues that I think are are, are gonna take front and center stage uh... you know it's predicted that we're going to bump up against the artificial taper spending limit the questions going to be whether you do refunds or whether you mm-hmm. put forth a measure to try to to do something temporarily um, the whole issue and it goes to Alicia's point of whether we're overdeveloping in the city the whole question about tax increment financing has been a hotly contested issue over the past couple of years I think I could see a situation where given split control some sort of more moderate legislation comes forward to try to get their arms around or get a handle on that. Um, don't be surprised if you don't see some more tweaking with either school finance or just some of the other budget priorities in general uh, that will be addressed. So I think there are a number of issues uh, that are going to take center stage here uh, and, and I suspect that um, legislators both returning and newly elected are already meeting with one another one or two at a time just talking about what can we get done, what can we do.
0: Alicia, what do you expect to see out of this 2015 legislative session, both in issue and in attitude?
4: It'll be a modest session. I think that you won't see extreme legislation from, from either um, end of the spectrum. I do think the the Dems will be playing defense on the gun restriction bills. Um, to a certain extent, uh, but there'll be compromise on the budget. It has to pass. It's one of the the major ways in which the state legislature legislature differs from Congress. They have to come to to agreement on on the budget. Um, the one exception I would say um, would be Ed reform because you have this alliance between um, moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans on some issues of Ed reform. This um, this very well could take the shape of pulling back somewhat on some standardized tests it could be um, it could be some uh, take the shape of um, teacher uh, credentials uh, but I do think that's one area where we might see some some new legislation or new efforts.
0: Patty it sounds like we're going to have a modest session productive session that John Hickluber is getting his uh, uh, Christmas gift a few months late but it'll be just perfect for him Uh, do you think that's what he's going to be getting?
1: Well, I, we, I don't think we're going to see a lot of really crazy bills, but I would like to see some real effort put into fixing some things that are significant problems in Colorado. We've looked before at construction defects, that whole issue. No, no matter how you feel about whether or not people should be able to sue the developers uh, you know, for problems in their homes, and which you would think reasonably uh, you would like them to be able to if there really is are problems there. What we're seeing is we're not getting houses built. We're not getting condos built. We're getting apartments built and that's really changing the face of Denver specifically but also the suburbs and around there. People can't buy homes because there are no homes out there. There's no there's no inventory. They're moving into these apartments that are very dense as Alicia was talking about. We've got a density problem in Denver because of it. You've got no, t- no driveways, no places for people to park, and people are really upset by how high rents are getting in Denver. And we don't want to price this this city out of the workers, the creative people, the people who just aren't earning that much money. That's a big issue, and construction defects legislation is going to be part of it. We also need to talk about the Colorado tour, the regional tourism. Taxes. That whole program is coming up. Uh, People are are obviously jumping in to get that money right now. It's part of the stock show plan. But we have to decide if that program is going to continue. And if it is, there certainly are fixes that need to be made because the projects that have gone for it so far, there have been some serious flaws to them. So they're, they're tricky things to tackle, but I think people will be willing to take them on.
0: A last-minute deal crafted by John Hickenlooper in 2014 guaranteed that we'll be talking about fracking in 2015. The task force he assembled last year will make recommendations on fracking regulations and local control issues to the state legislature by this spring. Penn, fracking was a huge issue in 2014. It's going to be in 2015. I guess my question is, and I've been rather cynical about it, which is pretty standard for the table, but... Is this uh, task force put together last year going to come up with something productive or is this simply kicking the, the real battle at the, at the ballot um, to another year or two?
3: I think they have to come up with something real and tangible that at least is the start of some sort of legislative framework that can then be debated. Um, Hickenlooper got a reprieve by cutting this deal by putting together the task force, and Commissioner Lashold out of La Plata County is chairing it. But they can't kick the can any further because there's another election cycle looming. It's going to be a presidential election cycle, and I don't think either side wants this issue on a presidential ballot. They've got to come up with a solution because the other problem is a number of local governments are not going to wait a whole lot longer. Um, We've already seen a number of local governments put together moratoria or bans on fracking. I think that issue is going to escalate, which is going to force things to to a head in either lawsuits or a raft of 50 different um, initiatives on the ballot. So something real has got to be introduced. There has to be some end in sight to this battle and presented. And it's really interesting because if you watch, the industry has still been on the offensive with some of the info commercials that I think don't necessarily answer the real questions that people want to know. They want a scientist or someone to say it's safe and here's why, not an actor who's a mom or portrays a mom who says, I'd let my kids play outside, even around fracking wells. So we've got to get this question answered for the state.
0: Alicia, if... Since Governor Hickler put this task force together, if they don't come up with something, is it on him or can he say, hey, I tried and it's it's just too hard of an issue?
4: Well, the legislature could always pick up the slack and and come to consensus and do something. I've talked to some people who are familiar with the, the proceedings on a probably mind-numbing basis with this task force, <laughs> and the lack of progress is, is worrisome, is my understanding. And I'm, I'm not so sure that they're going to be able to come to consensus on the time frame that they have. I think they're supposed to report back to the ledge in February, I think it is, and it seems to me at this point that they're pretty far from coming up with some concrete um, suggestions for the legislature to take on. So I'm not, sh- I'm not so sure that we aren't going to be right back to the ballot um, where we were previously. It, it feels like it's heading in that direction. I think a lot of people, including myself, hope that it doesn't come to that, but I, I have a, a sinking feeling that it very well may.
0: So, Patty, if they offer this bet up at a casino in Blackhawk and you had a chance to put a $1,000 chip on, we're going to have a, the same ballot issue fight that we thought we had in 2014 in 2015 or 16. Or we'll find a solution in the legislature. Where do you put your bet?
1: Oh, I'm betting it will be on the ballot. Even if if the commission comes up with a reasonable compromise, which is going to be tricky, but people are not reasonable on this issue. On both sides, you get that people can be so blind. They're not listening to the different facts, and I'm sure we will see it on the ballot, no matter what. Just because we managed to avoid it this time doesn't mean it won't come back.
0: David, I think Patty spoke to the extremes on both sides of this and the fact that, frankly, I mean, I don't know enough about the, the, the science and the laws, but it seemed that Colorado already had some pretty decent regulations regarding fracking that Governor Hickenlooper tried to craft a couple years back. So um, we're not coming from a Texas style state where oil runs everything. What do you think is going to happen?
2: The, the same thing, because the, the, uh, in Democratic Party politics, in, in viro money, and and some grassroots, genuine grassroots as well, is hugely important. It's why Governor Andrew Cuomo, who in New York, who's smarter than this, uh, is shutting down fracking in the state to the economic disaster of the southern tier of of New York uh, because there's more voters in New York City who are hysterics about fracking uh, than there are in the southern tier who usually don't vote for him anyway. Uh, in, in Colorado the people who will advocate local control should do the fair thing which is say oh if we don't want fracking in this city or this county then we will pay a fair price to buy the oil and gas rights from the people who we are preventing from being able to use them and we likewise will give up our share of the state revenues that come from that from the the exile uh, the uh, royalty taxes and extraction taxes I don't if, if you don't want the money and you don't want other people to do it, be fair. Don't, t- don't take other people's tax money from fracking, and you fairly pay the landowners for what you're, you're taking away from them.
0: Well, usually this would be the time of the show with our favorite part, Disgrace of the Week, but obviously we're looking ahead, so we can't do that. Let's get into some predictions. So give us uh, your favorite prediction. Let's start at the local level, then we'll go global or national. So local prediction. Patty, start us off.
1: Well, I can't say this is a favorite prediction, and it counters my upbeat uh, definition a little bit. But we are going to have a conversation finally in this state about the death penalty. And unfortunately, what will bring it on is the fact that the James Holmes trial is going to start January 20th. We won't even get into opening arguments until they're thinking maybe May. And it is going to, when we could have had him in jail for life on a plea, we are going to have an amazing uh, suck of time, money, and emotions as people relive that really horrible shooting. But I think we will, because of this, have a discussion of the death penalty that's been long postponed.
2: David, your local prediction. School reform, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. There will be a recall campaign against the pro-reform Jeffco School Board majority. It will be portrayed as fighting for the freedom of history teachers, which is not really an issue there, but will uh, actually be about the Jeffco Education Association wanting to run the school district for its own benefit as it was able to for a long time before.
0: As long as J.J. Abrams doesn't direct I think it'll be fine. Penn, your local prediction?
2: I think that CDOT
3: and the and the City and County of Denver will begin to listen to those neighborhood voices in the Globeville, Swansea, Elaria neighborhood that are talking about and raising concerns about the I-70 East corridor, which is going to impact and delay any redevelopment at the National Western. I think we're going to have a bigger, broader conversation about the better way to deal with that traffic issue. Alicia.
4: I think the somewhat obscure, at least in so far as mainstream Colorado is concerned, um, Amendment 23 lawsuit is going to prompt a broader discussion about Tabor and revenue constraints. This this lawsuit challenges the so-called negative factor. I'm sorry, I'm really drawn to these wonky things, but it, it, which was a way to reduce education funding, even though con- pieces of our Constitution say that you can't do that. They're going to lose the lawsuit, I think, unfortunately. you know, in, in unfortunately, in some ways, the state's going to lose. And I think that's going to and then we're not going to be able to pay for the things that we've promised as voters in the Constitution. And I think there's, there's going to be and there has to be a broader discussion of how, how to make ends meet in this state.
0: Okay, a quick national prediction. Patty.
1: That we are going to see Bush-Clinton in 2016 as the, campaign, as the campaigns heat up. I,
0: I've, never th- I've never really hoped for you to be wrong, Patty, but on this one occasion I will hope for you that but you were we wrong. But we
1: will be winners at this table because That's very we'll be true. able to talk about it. That is very oh, true. What, what
2: a David. Groundhog Day nightmare. Uh, <laughs> Venezuela, Russia, Iran, falling oil revenues, destabilize regimes domestically, which typically leads them to greater external uh, aggression to distract uh, their tyrannized people.
3: 10. I'm sort of with David. What's happening in the Middle East and with um, Russia is, I think, going to be the focal point uh, on a global and national level in terms of dealing with those issues. Alicia.
4: I think the ascendancy of the Islamic State will will peak and, and actually fall off in 2015 as its grip on, on oil fields that give it like $3 million of revenue a day is, that is severed, but another group will pop up in its place.
0: Well, that is all the time we have tonight. Thank you very much for tuning in. We're back to our regular shows next week, so be sure to tune in for that. And, uh, again, as we start off 2015, we want to thank you for making it possible. We're in, uh, we just kicked off our 23rd season here on Colorado Inside Out. We know that, is for, that it is made possible with all of you at home tuning us in uh, throughout the year. Whether we're uh, right about our predictions or not, you uh, stick with us, and we are grateful. So for everyone here at Channel 12, have a very happy and safe new year. I'm Dominic Dizuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night.